We are looking at Luke chapter 24, uh, verse 1 to verse 12. Uh, a couple of years ago, someone asked me this question. I know Jesus died for me, but why was it important for Jesus to rise from death? This is an important question, isn't it? Because what the person is asking is this. How does the resurrection of the Lord Jesus benefit me today and in the next life? To put it simply, what is the point of us being here? What is the point of Resurrection Sunday? Does it matter? And if it does, how should it affect the way I live today? Well, to help us answer this question, we're just going to walk through one of the four eyewitness accounts of the resurrection of our Lord Jesus, which Brother Rob just read for us in Luke chapter 24, verse 1 to 12. And as we open there, the first thing I want us to see and from this passage, that we learn from this passage, is that death comes to all of us. Death comes to all of us. It is the early hours of Sunday morning, probably about 4 a.m., and the Jewish Sabbath has been only over a few hours, but the women, of course, are on the way to the tomb. And Luke tells us at the end of chapter 23 that these women are from Galilee, uh, on Good Friday, they saw the Lord Jesus crucified and buried in a nearby tomb uh, that belonged to Joseph of Arimathea. Now, they are on the way to the tomb uh, to finish the burial preparations that could not be done on Friday because of Jewish Sabbath laws. Look at verse 1 with me there. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. We imagine as these women walk to the tomb, their faces are beaten with grief, aren't they? On Friday, they saw their beloved rabbi, the Lord Jesus Christ, brutally murdered in cold blood. But the love of Jesus has put them out of bed, so to speak, to go to the tomb. And immediately, we should note in passing as we think about that, that the devotion of these women to Jesus is teaching us that the true, true love for Jesus always stands the test of suffering. True love for Jesus always stands the test of pain and suffering. It survives opposition from a hostile world that wants to cancel Jesus. It resists the pressure to live a comfortable life by simply hiding our faith away. True love for Jesus doesn't just survive suffering. It is strengthened and deepened by it. As we see here with these women. These women are vulnerable in the dark. They know Jesus has just been cancelled. He is public enemy number one and he's dead for that. To go and care for his body at this moment is to risk following Jesus in death. But they love Jesus even in death. And they are willing to risk their own deaths just to care for his dead body. That's quite something, isn't it? Their true love for Jesus is literally stronger than death. And we need to remember their example in these godless times, don't we? Many people are abandoning true faith in Jesus in our day. It is becoming harder to be a true Christian. I don't mean 
to be a church attendee. I'm saying it's becoming harder to be a true believer. It is not just that people have forgotten God. It is that the love of self and the world has entered the church. People do not want to suffer for the crucified Lord. They do not want to suffer for Jesus. And so the example of these women is a timely encouragement, isn't it? In a society we are living in, that this is what true faith in Jesus looks like. It is growing in loyalty to Jesus and sacrificing ourselves for him. That is a side point. The main point is that the women are on their way to the tomb. Why? Because Jesus has really died. Jesus really died on Good Friday. Let us not miss this point. God the Son walked on this planet without sin, but never without death. To be human after the fall is truly to die. The death of Jesus, the eternal Son of God, therefore is first and foremost a reminder to all of us who share in his humanity that we will also die. And I know as we just look at that bulletin today, that, that we already have three deaths uh, within families, isn't it? In the church, we've been thinking about these deaths, and of course, I'm looking outside. I'm looking at you. I'm looking at my own family. We have experienced death in the last 12 months, and I know some of you have experienced death in different ways, um, from different, whether here in the UK or abroad. Death comes to all of us, and this is not something we want to hear, but we need to keep hearing it, isn't it? Because we often live as if this life is the only life we have. It is shocking. You'd think COVID would remind us of death and the fact that we don't have long here on the planet. But quite shockingly, many of us live like this life is the only life we have. And so God has brought you here this resurrection morning to remind you this truth so that you can ask yourself the most important question you can ever ask yourself in your life. How am I preparing for my death? We prepare for many things in life. Exams, a new job, a wedding, a new house perhaps, a new baby in the family. But we sadly forget to prepare for the most important thing in life. We forget to prepare for our deaths. How should we prepare for our deaths? Well, I'm not talking about financial stuff, like getting life insurance or saving up for um, our grandchildren, for those of you who have such. No, 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 that's, that, those are important things, of course. There's nothing wrong with that. We should be wise and we must do what we can and ask, get financial help to, to think about those things. But that is not the most important thing because those things ultimately will perish away like the Notre Dame. The most important preparation in life is spiritual preparation. And it involves you asking yourselves two questions this morning. First of all, are you prepared to die today and face the holy and righteous judgment of God? Young or old, are you prepared to do that? If you die today, are you ready to first to stand before God? 
And on what basis is your confidence? That when you stand before God, he will welcome you into his heaven. Because you see, there are only two things to happen to you when you die. When death swallows you, you either enter everlasting joy in heaven or enter everlasting darkness in hell. And you need to be ready for this now. Because death comes to all of us. You need to be sure where you are going. You need to settle that. Now many of us come to church and we think, yes, I'm going to heaven. Are you so sure? Because you see, the only way you go to heaven, the way, only way God will allow you to enter heaven is if you have truly repented of your sin and trusted in the death of Jesus for the forgiveness of that sin. That's the only way. And I'm not just simply saying, saying a prayer. That genuine repentance that produces what Brother Ola has been continuing to encourage us in James, true works that shows that we have been truly converted. There must be fruits of that faith. As I said on Good Friday, we are saved by faith alone. But the faith that serves is never alone. It produces fruits, as John the Baptist said, in keeping with repentance. Are you sure you have truly repented and turned to the Lord Jesus Christ? Are you ready to face the judgment throne of God? That's the first question you must ask yourself. The second question you must ask yourself about being, as you, as you think about being ready, is this. You are ready perhaps to face the judgment of God, but are you ready to leave loved ones behind? What do I mean by that? What spiritual legacy are you building to live behind? As a testimony to people around you, your family and friends. How will your children remember your faith? How will your grandchildren remember your faith? How will your neighbors remember it? Will, will your children say, Mommy or Daddy absolutely was bananas for Jesus? And I want to know this Jesus for myself. Yes, I've run away into the world. Perhaps they've, they've walked away from home. They've, they've lived on their own. They're adults and they've forgotten all the sermons they used to hear. But now they think of man lying there in the casket in old age. And they're thinking to myself, I need to hear those sermons afresh. I need to repent because she lived in such a way that our only hope was in Jesus Christ. Beloved, no one, as, I like, as some of you have heard me say this countless times, and you know what I'm going to say, no one on their deathbed says, I should have paid more attention to my hobbies. I should have paid more attention to my work. I should have paid more attention in accumulating more houses. I should have paid more attention in making better financial investment. I should have perhaps worked more harder on that blog I kept. No. Most followers of Jesus says, I am about to meet my Savior now. And I wish I surrendered more to him. I wish I surrendered more to him. You see, the trauma of observing an autopsy 
is only beneficial if it is received as a warning to the living. Why else would you want to see an autopsy? Unless you're going to learn from it. It's terrible to see an autopsy. It's only beneficial if you learn from it. Beloved, don't waste the deaths you have seen with COVID-19. And for those of us who have experienced death over the last 12 months, let us not waste looking at deaths in our own family. Beloved, let looking at death change you. You are blessed to be living in this period. There are some people saying, oh, I wish I lived in a different age where there was no COVID. Right? No, beloved. You are the most blessed people now to be surrounded by so much death. Why? Because what better preacher can you have than death? What better evangelist to lead you to Jesus Christ than death? Listen to his sermon. Be ready for death. Be ready to give an account and be ready to live behind. And so this Resurrection Sunday, as we think about the reality, the reality of life after death, because Jesus proved that there is life after death, the reality of that, look at your priorities again. Get your focus in investing in what lasts. The death of Jesus is reminding us that death comes to all of us. Even the eternal Son of God, why on earth died? So prepare for it. But if death comes to all of us, somebody might ask, why make a huge fuss about the death of Jesus? Well, because of the second thing we learn in this resurrection account, and it is this. The first truth is what? Death comes to all of us. But, there is a but. The death of Jesus is unique because he is alive. His death is like no other because death could not hold Jesus down. Jesus rose from the grave. Well, let's rejoin the women there. Let's, let's play there. The broken-hearted women are approaching the tomb. We see that as soon as they arrive, their problems multiply. Let's read verse 2 to 3. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. You see, the tomb of Jesus, like all expensive tombs at this time, has been quarried out of rock and sealed with a large disc like stone. But to the surprise of the women, the tomb is empty. And on top of that, they have unexpected visitors. Let's read on, verse 4 to verse 5. While they were perplexed about this, they are surprised the tomb is empty. Behold, two women stood, two men, not women, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground in respect, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? You see, the angels can't seem to understand why these women would come to a tomb to look for Jesus. Jesus can't be here because he is risen now, they are saying. Look at verse 6. He is not, he's not here. He is not here, but has risen. We just pause there. He is not here, but has risen. 
These are surely the sweetest words in human history. Death visited our Lord Jesus like it would do to me and you. And it held Jesus down for three days. But in the end, death could not keep him there. Our Lord Jesus grabbed death by the throat and he wrestled it to the ground. Jesus killed death for us. The death of death in the death of Jesus. And the point here is not just that Jesus is alive now, the angels are saying, but why he is alive. Look, let's read on verse 6 to 8. He's not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you why he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. The angels are saying, Jesus arranged his own death and resurrection. Amazing. The human and spiritual powers conspired to unjustly kill our Lord Jesus Christ. The devil, as it were, danced on his grave, on the grave of Christ. He thought he had triumphed over the Son of God finally. But the angels are saying to the women, take a look, he is not here, he has risen. Jesus has had the last word. The angels are saying, you live and die, Jesus died and lives again forevermore. And this is why the death of Jesus is unique. The death of Jesus is unique because Jesus is alive. And he is alive because, you see, Jesus has come to die in our place. The cross serves us. And by Jesus rising from death, God says the amen to his death, he accepts his sacrifice for us. But in also rising from death, Jesus defeats death itself for all who trust in him. You see, death is not part of God's primary purpose for his creation. Death is an intruder. God created us to live forever with him. Not to live under the shadow of death. But sadly, ever since sin entered the world, all human beings now live separate from God, and the result of that separation is death in every dimension of our lives. We die physically, but we also die spiritually. We are spiritually dead with no connection to God. And we are doomed to remain like that forever as the eternal dead. But the good news of Easter is that God has come in Jesus to die for our sins and rose from the dead for our justification, to, for, for God's amen to his finished work, but also to give new life to all who trust in him. That's why the resurrection matters. It is we, us rising from death with Christ. And if you're trusting in Jesus this morning, you have already have this new life with God. All your filthy stains of sin and lawlessness have been wiped clean forever. God now lives inside 
your heart forever. And you live in God. Colossians 3, chapter 1 to 4, isn't it? We have died and our life is now hidden with Christ in God. You live in God. You live in Jesus and Jesus is in God. Jesus is now your life and your life is his. Your future now is intertwined with his future. Paul goes on to say in Colossians 3, when Christ was your life appears, you will also appear with him in glory. You see, because Jesus is alive, when you die, you'll be with God. And a time is coming when Jesus will raise you from death to be physically with him. Everybody will rise from death, but you rise from death to be with Jesus. Some will rise from death physically to be condemned forever. You rise to be with Jesus. God will give you a new body like Jesus. You will think like Jesus. You will feel like Jesus. You will love like Jesus. You will talk like Jesus. And you will be with Jesus forever. And God will bring you in into the new world. The new heavens and the new earth. Where righteousness dwells. And you will live with Jesus in this new world. And because Jesus is alive, you see, you shall see God face to face. The Bible tells us. Never again will you die. Never again will you suffer. Never again will you sin. All of that will be wiped away. And beloved, you and I need to hold preciously to this truth. The truth that our Lord Jesus has risen and conquered death for us. We shouldn't just hold on to it. We must contend for it. We must guard it with our lives. Because you see, we are living in a society that doesn't believe in life after death anymore. It once did, but it doesn't. And it is terrified of death. You see, the mind of a person living in post-Christian UK is that there is nothing he or she fears more than losing his or her own life. Because he or she lives for the moment. He has no hope for tomorrow. He has no concept of a God who is sovereign over all things. And we can see that just from the response of the country to COVID-19. People even now today are willing to sacrifice or their basic liberties to simply stay alive. We must be pro-life, I say. But at what cost are we willing just to live? And of course, people in the society are willing to do that. Why? Because they have no hope beyond the grave. And I want to say this truth is not just this is not just true for the non-believing public. It is sadly proved to be the case for many who openly identify themselves as followers of Jesus. COVID-19, beloved, has put the rag under our feet. It has, well, put the blanket, that's what I was trying to say. Has put the blanket out, right? It has exposed us. COVID has proved that many of us are afraid of death. We lack a real and tangible belief in the God who is sovereign over all things. We live for safety first. 
A religion which sadly has no hope beyond the grave. That is Islam. I don't want that. And that is what many Christians now profess. And of course, this sadly explains why, even as we celebrate the Lord's resurrection today, many continue to meet only online. Many churches are shockingly celebrating the resurrection of Jesus online. What an absurd irony for a faith that claims that Jesus conquered death. What an absurd irony. The church today runs counter to the impulse of true biblical Christianity as practiced by the early church who witnessed the resurrection. The early church truly believed Jesus had risen and the power of his resurrection transformed their life. It abolished their fear of death. How else does one explain why Stephen spoke so boldly knowing he was going to die? How do we explain why all the apostles save one were martyred? The death of Jesus destroyed the idolatry of living for self. And his resurrection power gave them new life and confidence in the face of death. And this is why we are here to celebrate the death of Jesus, isn't it? The resurrection of Jesus. We celebrate resurrection because Jesus is alive. It is the birthday of a new world in which God in Christ has conquered death for all who are in Christ. His resurrection has unlocked infinite glorious benefits of life with God. And so what do we do with that? Well, the only thing left for us to do is to follow the footsteps of Peter and just marvel at it. Marvel at it. And that's the final truth, isn't it? The first truth is death comes to all of us. There's a big bad, isn't there? Point number two, but the death of Jesus is unique because Jesus is alive. How should we respond to that wonderful truth of his resurrection? Well, we must marvel at it like Peter does. Let us rejoin the women uh, that Sunday morning. But before we rejoin the women, there is an important point of detail about the sequence of events we should be aware of. John, the Apostle John, in his eyewitness account, suggests that when the women see the empty tomb, Mary of Magdala immediately runs back to tell the disciples. And we think leaving behind a band of other women. The rest of the women then follow her with that wonderful news from the angels that Jesus is alive. Mary, of course, is going to return to the, to the empty tomb. But sadly, as they now join Mary in delivering that news, their news together, the women, falls on deaf ears. They haven't believed Mary, they are not believing them. All the women, right, will read that in verse 9 to 11. Look at verse 9 to 11. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene, Mary Magdala, and Joanna, and Mary the mother of James, and the other women, you see. There are more than just the three. With them who taught these things to the apostles. But these words seemed to them an idle tale. They did not believe them. And you have to smile when you read that. Especially when you realize that when Luke says the disciples think the women are telling an idle tale, Dr. Luke is using a medical term which means delirious, 
crazy or insane. The disciples believe the women are out of their minds. In our days, we would say, give them some drugs, that would definitely calm them down. You see, beloved, we are so used to hearing the Easter story that we miss the most important point about it, which is no one expected Jesus to rise from the dead. No one. To the disciples, any thought of Jesus being alive uh, was, was either a dangerous joke, well, it was either a, you know, a terrible just prank, or a dangerous joke that could get them killed. They're not interested in this. When everyone dies, they remain dead. End of story. But the disciples, you see, soon discovered that Jesus is not anybody. That's the point. That is the point of Resurrection Sunday. Luke tells us that Peter hears and follows the evidence. Let's read on. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen clothes by themselves, and he went on marveling at what had happened. Peter has checked out the evidence, right? And he's left completely stunned. We can see him just checking his head, right? And with a smile, I would imagine. He is desert. And it is now dawning on him that Jesus has risen, as the angels said. You see, throughout history, there have been many leaders, many prophets, many scientists, and many thinkers. But once they got into the grave, they couldn't climb out. Death swallowed them forever. But Jesus differs from everyone else because, you see, his tomb is not just empty. Jesus said it will be empty. Oh, beloved, we do not revere an honorable teacher from the past. We are not here to worship a dead Lord. We are not here to keep the spirit of a dead leader alive. We worship the living one. The Lord Jesus Christ. The one who says in Revelation 1 verse 18, I am the first and the last. I am the living one. I was dead and now look. I am alive forever and ever. And I hold the keys of death and ladies. Of course he does. He defeated death itself. And what do we do with that truth? What do we do with this amazing Jesus? The reason why. Well, we must marvel as Peter does. Peter here is amazed because, as I say, he's beginning to realize that if Jesus is truly alive, it changes everything in his life. It means Jesus is truly God, our Savior. It means all who truly trust in Jesus have a resurrection hope that goes behind the curtain and touches the very throne of God. It means that the resurrection of Jesus is saying to us, no matter what happens in our lives today, no matter what we are going through this morning, no matter what we'll go through for the rest of the year, no matter what pain the world throws at us, no matter the challenges we are facing in our own family, we are safe in Jesus forever. We live with God as we learn on Good Friday. We live with Jesus and we are living for Jesus. Because you see, when Jesus died, 
and then rose and ascended, he took with him into glory all his people in his body. So that we, you and I, are as secure as Jesus is now in heaven. That's the reality. We are safe in Christ forever. And the resurrection of Jesus says to us a second thing. It says, don't hold too tight to the things of the world. Because you are not of this world now. You must now live for the new heavens waiting for you. Let me end with this. You know, there's a story told of the martyr John Bradford. He had been condemned by the King of England in 1555 to die for his faith in this nation. It may happen again. He had been condemned to die for his faith. Not because the king denied the death of Jesus or anything else like that. But because he denied the scripture. The finished work on the cross. The king, you see, believed in the mass and all the rest of it. And John Bradford couldn't stand for that. He says, no, Christ finished his work on the cross. And I'll preach the true gospel. And they cancelled him. And so they brought him to be executed. Before his execution, the prison keeper's wife came to bring John Bradford the news. She said to him, Master John, Mr. Bradford, she said to him, tomorrow you'll be burnt at the stake. John Bradford said to her, I thank God for it. May the Lord make me worthy. And so the next day, they led him through the crowds for his death. And on that day, there was a young man. His name was also, was also John, but it was John Leaf. And John Leaf had been chosen to be burnt alive with John Bradford because John Leaf, a 19-year-old man, had also refused to deny the true gospel. And so they bound the other John Bradford with the younger man, John Leaf. And as they bound these two men to be burnt, the two Johns fell on their faces in one brief moment of prayer. And then after they had finished praying, John Bradford addressed his younger friend, John Leaf. Just before the fire was lit, he said to him, Be of good comfort, brother, for we shall have a merry supper with the Lord Jesus this night. And at that moment, the sheriff lit the fire. You see, those two men embraced the flames because the resurrection of Jesus had changed them deep within. The resurrection of Jesus had enabled them to, be, to spend and be spent for the gospel. To truly live for Jesus in these lands. And as we think about the death of John Bradford and John Leaf, our minds are drawn immediately to the words that John Bradford once wrote. To encourage us here now those who live after him. 
He says, dearly beloved, remember that you are not of this world. That Satan is not your captain. That your joy and paradise are not here. That your companions are not the multitude of sinners. No. You are of another world. The risen Christ is your captain. Your joy is in heaven. Your companions are the fathers, patriots, prophets, apostles, martyrs, and dear saints of God who follow the Lamb wherever he goes. This is the hope of John Bradford. It is the hope of all who truly trust in Jesus that Christ rose from death and that we share in the blessings of his resurrection. And this is what we live for and must continue to live for. Well, may Christ help us to keep marveling at the blessings of his resurrection and keep our eyes firmly on him, our glorious champion. The angels have told us plainly, haven't they? And we believe their testimony. He's not here. He's risen. Jesus is risen for us. He's risen indeed. Amen.